Super Talk Mississippi media production. Joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, the biggest piece of trailer park trash I know. <laughs> ben Garrett from the Ole Miss Spirit is darkening my doorstep today. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Man, I'm, I'm ready for football. We're ready to start uh, next week. And I know you guys are, you know, probably the same up there in Oxford. And I'm just ready. I'm ready. We we, we made it. Let's 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 do it. So let's. Talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised we made it. Not to say that. Oh, I am too. I'm not to say that I'm um, I'm saying anything about the virus or the pandemic. Just with the way things were trending, mm-hmm. um, you know, you. early in the summer. Yeah, it's to be here. I think is an accomplishment in and of itself. And I agree. I'm just glad we're getting football, man. It feels a little bit more normal than it has for the last six months. Well, let's talk about some football, see if we can't get 20 minutes of normalcy here or whatever. Uh, I think State and Ole Miss have a similar thing going on. We both know who the starting quarterback's going to be. They just haven't made it official yet. When do you expect Matt Corral to be named the starting quarterback up there? He is the starting quarterback. Okay. Um, It's not official, but he is the starting quarterback. and I just heard enough to where – I'm going to call it. It's done. He's going to start. Right. Um, I don't know what that means for John Rice Palmer. It's, it's been a regular point of conversation amongst Ole Miss Twitter and message boards about, oh, we'll just move John Rice to wide receiver, move him to safety. Um, when he was coming out of high school, he was recruited by Georgia and other big schools like that as a safety. Ole Miss offered him the opportunity to play quarterback with the backup plan of you can be moved to slot receiver if we need him to. So, um, I think that Ole Miss, like every other school, saw him with the ability to move, but they were the one offering him the chance to play quarterback, and John Rice views himself as a quarterback, and he was never going to not um, compete for the starting quarterback job in fall camp and um, practice other positions if there's a chance to be the starter. But I think now it's pretty much set in stone that Matt Crow is going to be the starter. So what happens to John Rice? Because he's too good of a player or too great of a weapon, I guess, yeah. to not utilize him in some way. And there are enough holes on this roster to where you can find a guy that has that kind of talent, a spot, and play him there. So, um, But at the end you know, of the day, you got to remember this is a 10-game All-SEC um, shortened season. And quite frankly, for everybody across the country, not just at Ole Miss, it's a mulligan. I mean, I think anybody can get away with anything this year. They just need football games to be played for it to be started to be finished. So I think Matt Corral is the starting quarterback, and um, as long as he plays well, he'll be the starting quarterback. But if Ole Miss isn't moving the ball, that's a really tough schedule. If Ole Miss isn't moving the ball, I mean, Lane Kiffin's not going to allow his offense to stagnate, and John Rice can get in there and just run him like he did last year. Heck, you know, yeah. he got to put points on the board. So I, I think it's settled, but to say that it's finished – John Rice, let's move him somewhere. I, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. It really is interesting, the similarities between State and Ole Miss at this position this year with Schrader moving to wide receiver. I actually brought that up yesterday on my podcast about Garrett Schrader being moved to slot receiver. and You know, it's a good point of it, you know, reference for Ole Miss because John Rice, I think, could do that. I yeah. just, how has he looked? I'm not trying. I know this is an old myth, but how has he looked? You you know that we have, I mean, we haven't been to practice. They have right, a lot of us out there. But what we what I hear is he looks pretty good. He's a good athlete. You know, he's yeah. just got to learn the system as a, as a receiver now. But I, I don't have any questions about him being able to play the position from an athletic standpoint. He and Plumlee are sort of the, sort of cut from the same cloth too. I think they're yeah. they're both competitors. They want to be on the field. So I think when this is all said and done, if once Corral settles in, Plumlee's going to you know he's going to do what he has to do to, to well, get. Well, on the tell field. me what you think about this though. Okay, okay, so if John Rice Plumlee is 
hell-bent on being a quarterback, which is what has been the impression I've been given from talking to a number of different people. He, he believes himself to be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you value then? If you value playing both sports, football and baseball, well, the best opportunity at this level is Ole Miss because yeah. you're not going to get that opportunity at Auburn or at Florida. But if you decide that I'm a quarterback, I'm going to play quarterback, and I'm going to play in the SEC, when he decided to transfer then, because that's what he would do, right. I mean, he would have options. I mean, Gus Malzahn would look at him as Nick Young 2.0. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen would take him at Florida. It's just a, a matter of what do you value. Is it being a quarterback and thinking that you can get paid ultimately in the future as a quarterback or playing both sports and knowing that the money's probably going to be about the same if you're playing slot receiver quarterback. So John Rice is the most fascinating story, in my opinion, bar none, for Ole Miss this season. Everything else, whatever. Lane Kiffin, yeah, we've played that story out. Yeah, that's football. But, I mean, as far as just what's the greatest storyline, what's going to be the most interesting thing to follow? I mean, it's John Rice because at the end of the year last year, if you polled the college football world and said, what do you know about Ole Miss? It's John Rice Plumley, and that's that's so, that's holding up now. I mean, you, yeah. Richard has mentioned a couple times he's been on some shows with some national people, and they talk about tell us about the Ole Miss quarterback, and he starts talking about Matt Corral, and they don't they don't believe that Corral's going to start because they all saw Plumley yeah. run wild on LSU, and that's yeah. their last memory. So, I love yeah. the Ole Miss backfield. Love Ely. I like Connor. Uh, I think I've heard a lot of good stuff about uh, Parrish up there yeah. this this fall. So the backfield, I'm, I'm not too worried about. But who is working with Elijah Moore? Who's going to be the second receiver for, for in this offense? I think Dontario Drummond to start. Um, Braylon Sanders needs to be that guy. He's the veteran. I mean, he's a senior. He's done it before. His problem is he can't stay on the field. He's even been banged up in preseason practices. He's always banged up. And Ole Miss has been hit hard by COVID in a number of different positions. I don't know if Braylon was one of those guys, but he's just been in and out so much. Braylon needs to be that guy. But Dontario Drummond, he flashed last year. The problem was Richrod's offense. I mean, I don't have to explain that to you. You no, saw it. I saw it. Um, Jonathan Mingo's got all the talent in the world. Uh, the question is, can he do it consistently? And in practices, I think he's been the flashiest wide receiver as far as the plays he's made. But just doing it consistently, that that's the challenge for him. They need more out of Dennis Jackson. Dennis Jackson, he, he needs to come on at this time. I've pretty much just given up on Miles Battle. Um, in his class, when they signed him, he was the wide receiver that was number one on the board. He's who they wanted. He just hasn't done anything, and we've heard nothing about him in fall camp. Again, though, like y'all, we, we haven't been to practices, so Miles Battle could be setting the world on fire. Maybe they're just kind of keeping that quiet. I tend to doubt that because Lane Kiffin, yeah. say what you want about him. He'll tell you what he wants you to know, and he's very frank. He's very direct. So if you say, what have you seen from Miles Battle or what have you seen from the wide receivers, and he doesn't mention Miles Battle, then I think that's a telltale sign that Miles Battle probably isn't having the fall camp that they needed him or wanted him to have. So I think those are probably the best candidates. But if you ask me who's the number two right now, Don Terrio Drummond. Braylon Sanders needs to be that guy. But Jonathan Mingo, I think, has the highest upside of anybody. I'm not saying he's any of these players. I'm not saying that. Let me preface what I'm about to say by saying I'm not saying he's any of these players. <laughs> but he fits the mold of the A.J. Browns and the Laquans and the Dante Moncrief. He's that kind of built guy. He's that yeah. kind of talent. But being that kind of talent and actually putting it on the field are two totally different things. So he's the closest thing. If you can tap into that upside, you really got something there. What's this offensive line like past Ben Brown? Well, Ben Brown's had a little bit of trouble adjusting to um, making snapping his number one responsibility. Yeah. I mean, 
this was an all-league caliber guard for two years. And so he was used to a particular type of um, playing style and what he was putting as his number one emphasis every single snap. But now it's, hey, i got to get the ball to the quarterback. That's been a little bit of a challenge for him, but I think he's going to be fine. Ben Brown, in my opinion, is an NFL center. I think that's why they moved him there. Um, Eli Johnson was not going to be the starting center even had he returned because they'd moved in there because they saw him as an NFL center. But Royce Newman at right tackle, I, I think he is woefully underappreciated. Uh, he's going to be an NFL player. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Bradley Sal in terms of how little people paid attention to him in college, and then he went on to have an eight-year career to Brad. I think Royce is the exact same way. Royce is a great right tackle, a very solid right tackle. And a left tackle, Nick Broker, is emerging as one of the better left tackles in the conference. The problem is, is in the interior. Who is playing guard? Now, they have some candidates that I really like. Jeremy James, I think, is going to be a very good starting guard. But he's a redshirt freshman. Jalen Cunningham, um, it was, it's his time to step up and be one of the starting guards, um, specifically a left, tack, a left guard. Excuse me. But his problem is that conditioning has always been an issue. Now he's gone from 360-something pounds down to like 328. That's great, but still three plays strong, and then that fourth play is just he's gassed and he gets whipped. That that can't that's not sustainable, right? That's not sustainable right. in the SEC. Um, Connor uh, uh, Carter Colquitt is certainly a candidate. Caleb Warren would I think have started at one of the guard spots, but he broke his hand in fall camp. They have a lot of candidates. I will say this: uh, you know, we we not pretty much everything about Matt Luke, but he did a pretty darn good job recruiting on offense. John Rice, Jerry on Mingo, and those offensive line, those young offensive linemen are really good, but breaking two of them in, in the interior, that, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. You need two guys to step up and take that on. I think the one guy who's closest to that is Jeremy James. Fortunately for Ole Miss, Jalen Cunningham did get some time last year, so it's not like he's going into it green, but can you can you hold up conditionally? And if you can, then um, I think their offensive line is going to be pretty good. I, I think Ben Brown's good as they come, Roy Stoneman good as they come, and Nick Broker – I think he's going to be a superstar in time. It's just a matter of those guards. Can you catch up to the three solid pieces? And if anything happens to any of those three guys, oh God, well that then it gets a little bit, yeah. a little bit murky there, right? Yeah. So. How big is getting Sam Williams back for this defense? Here's the problem. Okay. Sam Williams is a great player. We all acknowledge that. But if Sam Williams is getting doubled, which he's going to get doubled, because opposing offenses know who your best players are. Sam Williams is going to get double-tempt. He's getting doubled. Tell me the defensive lineman on that almost defensive line that's going to take advantage of that. T. Tisdale, I like the idea, but he played in all games, all 12 games last year, didn't start, and he's playing defensive end. Does he have that type of pass-rushing playmaking ability? Benito Jones had 10-and-a-half tackles for loss last year. Ten-and-a-half. Josiah Cody had a down year and still was pretty regularly in opposing backfields. I don't know who their starting defensive tackles are. They have rotated Ryder Anderson in at defensive tackle. Now, Ryder Anderson, I think, is a good, solid player, but he hasn't really done much over his Ole Miss career, and he's being accepted as one of the constants or one of the sure things on a defensive line when he isn't. He hasn't put that on tape yet. And now, when he came in, he was like 220, 230 pounds. He's up to 275 pounds. That's great. But now he's playing defensive tackle? What does that say about your returning defensive tackles? It's like every other week 
there's a new guy that's now the flavor of the week for Ole Miss defensive tackle. Katie Hill, he can maybe be that guy. Ladarius Cox, he can maybe be that guy. I think the defensive line is the scariest thing about Ole Miss in 2020. Okay. So even then, with Sam Williams, even with Sam Williams, because yes, Brandon Mack, a redshirt freshman, he was having a good um, early showing at camp. Demond Clowney, a true freshman, same thing. They've both been out, or excuse me, Clowney's been out. I think he's one of the COVID guys. Um, but Tito, though, you have to be almost all league caliber to compensate for what opposing offenses are going to do with Sam Williams. Now, having Sam Williams back, good as he is, does help those guys and gives them a better opportunity to take advantage of one-on-one matchups. But can you win? Because I, I've heard that, at least early early in practices, that it was too easy for the Ole Miss offense. And you never want it to be too easy. You want it to be a you know a good mix, a 50-50 thing. Offense gets a couple, defense gets a couple. But early on, the offense was whipping this defense without Sam Williams. And they're starting to get some guys back in the secondary as well, which will help. Because I think the linebackers in the secondary, they're good enough for defensive competency. But if the only sure thing that you've got is Sam Williams on that defensive line, which right now for me, I just don't know what else you can count as. That guy, he's going to be, a, he's going to be everything we need him to be. I don't know how you survive. I really don't. And, and, the, and say what you want about Ole Miss offensively. they got a lot of good pieces, but Matt Crow isn't a sure thing. Even if John Lice was starting, he's not a sure thing. You don't know yet. Yeah. And, and you know, defensively, Ole Miss hasn't been good since Kambiche left. I mean, that's just right. that's just the truth. So I mean, here's the thing: like, are they are they going to be good. better this year? Is I guess my question. Not 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 good. Just better. Well, think about it. Think about it. Last year, Ole Miss was vastly improved defensively. Yeah. Vastly improved, but still bad. But still not good, right? Yeah. Right. They were just so historically bad under Wesley McGriff that, honestly, Mike McIntyre just needed to make them competent. And he did. And quite frankly, they should have won more than four games last year with yeah. what they had. I mean, that, that was just that, – that's an indictment. People on keep their legs that. down. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's, that's the totally it, – it, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, the egg ball – I mean, that shouldn't even be close, to be honest with you. As far as – I mean, State should have just – beating the crap out of them the way they were playing. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, the, the point being is that they should have won more than four games, and that's an indictment on the last staff. And you say, okay, well, then they'll be improved, and there'll be a two-game improvement. This is a 10-game all-SEC schedule. And when you look at it, where is the guaranteed wins for Ole Miss? It's not Vanderbilt. They always play Vanderbilt tight. doesn't matter how good they are. Vanderbilt always plays Ole Miss tough. Maybe Arkansas... Ole Miss sucks in Fayetteville. And can you really say Ole Miss is all that much better than Arkansas? You could say that talent-wise, sure, but you don't know. Kentucky, they got to go to Lexington. Kentucky's a damn good football team. Really solid football team. Yes. There's no guarantee. So people say, well, I mean, how many games are they going to win? I mean, I'd set the over-under, what, at three and a half? Yeah. So if I'd go over or under. Yeah. Let me see what they look like against Florida, because Florida – that's a top eight team. Kyle Trask doesn't have elite arm strength, but he's very accurate. So can you play competent defense enough and your offense is as good as it's supposed to be in the Lane Kiffin? And I'm not saying you clip Florida because I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to lose 44 to 24 or something. Yeah. But can you build enough there that moving forward, you do beat an Arkansas, you do beat a Vanderbilt, you do beat or go upset, in my opinion, be an upset of a Kentucky. 
Mississippi State Ole Miss will be in the same kind of boat by the end of the year. Yeah. LSU, I don't think, is going to be any good. Maybe you get an LSU at the very end of the year. Yeah. But, I mean, how far have you made up that ground as far as not getting beat 66-3 to by Alabama in week three, yeah. right? I, I don't know. I know you're not the you know you're not super optimistic guy. You make me look optimistic from time to time. With that said, <laughs> are you excited about the prospect of a Mike Leach versus Lane Kiffin egg bowl? Not particularly, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I, it has nothing to do with cynicism or I love it for the state because no matter how bad or good these teams are, and let's both agree that most likely neither of these teams are going to be particularly good. I think that they'll be fun, and I think that they'll give teams that are better than them a real run for their money and maybe clip a team or two that they weren't supposed to. I think that's a real a real possibility for both of these teams. Um, so I think it's great for Mississippi that regardless of how this season plays out for either one of them, that, that game will still be interesting because it's Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, and that's something that they didn't have. I mean, no one was tuning in nationally if these two teams were under 500 to watch Matt Luke and Joe Moorhead try to out-strategize each other. But if um, Ole Miss is under 500, Mississippi State, same thing too, people are still tuning in because that matchup is fun. So from that point of view, I love it for the state of Mississippi because for the first time since 2014, when both of these teams were top four nationally, this it's healthy for the state when both of the programs are are competitive. That's what I think has been lost in this rivalry lately when just been at each other's throats and just shitting all over each other. I mean, at the end of the day... Did you just, did you just curse? Yeah. Did I? Oh, well, sorry. But <laughs> point being that, uh, you know, that's been lost in this rivalry a little bit is that, you know, it's best for the state when both of them are competitive. Because when they're both competitive... The rivalry is, is healthier, and also um, it draws more eyeballs to this state. And there's a real problem right now as far as the talent in this state. It needs to be staying in state, and there's far too much competition from other schools coming in and poaching kids. Yeah, especially so, the past couple of years. Yeah, and, and that's why I think it's a step in the right direction. I don't know if either of the fifth of Lane Kiffin and, and Mike Leach long-term, how that's going to play out. But I do think the storyline itself is far more engaging than it otherwise would have been had there been any other hire for either, for either school. I agree with that. All right, man. Ben Garrett, that's the old that's it. Dang. All right. Keep keeping it tight today. Good to talk to you, man. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. A Super Talk Mississippi <laughs> media production.